Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the pod. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Keegan and the Boys. I'm joined today by Sam Gonsi and Tanner Dislin. We are days away from tip-off for the round of 64 for March Madness. Where are the upsets going to come from? Who's winning it all? Let's break all of that down here on episode 45 of Crunch Time. It is, like, we, we finally made it. We're days away from the best time of the year, uh, Thursday, Friday. On those two days, we're going to have a combined 32 games with 32 more games coming between Saturday and Sunday. So we have a lot of fantastic games coming your way, including some first four games that are happening today uh, on uh, Tuesday when we're recording and Wednesday combined. But we're here. <laughs> we It's time to go through your brackets. How are you feeling about the fact that we're days away from one of the best times of the year in all of sports? It's good to be back. Uh, we missed out on uh, memorable moments uh, due to COVID. I think this is going to be one of the craziest March Madnesses we've had in a long time. Fans are rowdy. Best time of year. Uh, can't top this, honestly. It's it's great time to be a sports fan. I mean, yeah. th- this is the first real tournament we're having in two years. I mean, you know, last year we had a tournament. It was great. We all enjoyed it. But it wasn't the same. We all know it wasn't the same. They were all in Indiana. The the s- small number of fans allowed. The energy just wasn't there. And it's back, um, as you said, Sam, and even losing the entire year, uh, that one year to COVID. So, again, I, I, don't, I don't know what we need to do to, to get you more excited because uh, this, this, is, this is the real deal. It's, you know, it, it's fun. It's just a great time of year. No kidding. Could not agree more with all of what you guys are saying. It's so great to have fans back in the stands. That's what really makes March so incredible. It's not only some of the big upsets that happen on the court, but the fact that you have the great atmosphere feeding into the players, making them, motivating them to make even better plays. It's, it's what March is all about. So let's dive into that. What we're going to be doing here is later on, we're going to be diving into what our Elite Eight, Final Four, and so on looks like. But first, we're just going to talk about first impressions. There was some controversy with how some teams were seeded and the fact that some teams were left out altogether. So that's how we're going to start this episode. What was the one that intrigued you the most, whether they were seeded in a particular spot or they were left out of the tournament altogether? I tell you, you know, the first one that comes to mind is leaving out Texas A&M, and deservedly so. And I kind of wanted to take a deep dive into that because there's a certain team I have in mind that really is perplexing as to how they got where they're seated. I mean, so so I'm going to give you a couple resumes here. Team A ended up 19 and 13 on the year and 9 and 9 in conference. Team B ended up 23 and 12 on the year and nine and nine in conference. And team C ended up 23 and 12 and 11 in nine in conference. I was thinking who, who could these be? A is Alabama. They went third or they went 19 and 13 in the regular season and nine and nine in conference and got a six seed and got a six seed. They lost to Arkansas in the SEC tournament, a team that, Texas A&M whooped in the SEC tournament. They went 23 and 12 
and nine and nine in the SEC. The same conference as Alabama finished a slot above them, went on the run, came in second in that division and got left out. Tell me how that makes any sense. And then team three, the team that went 23 and 12 and 11 and nine in conference, that team is a conference champion. So not only do they just have a better resume, better season, they are a conference champion and they got an 11 seed and that being Virginia Tech. So the the love for Alabama is something I certainly don't get. And it really makes me question leaving out Texas A&M where Virginia Tech is seeded. I look at USC, another team that's 26 and seven. Why are they a 17 or Alabama's a six? I just don't know. So Alabama is the big one where I'm just, I don't get the love for them. Yeah, that that's definitely uh, questionable right there. Speaking of Alabama, but I'm just going to talk about two conference champions that I just think got hoed in the ranking. First off, the one I called Virginia Tech. <laughs> They win the ACC. No one except me, of course, predicted that. Yeah, can we hang on? Let's let's just give a moment, round of applause for Sam for getting Virginia Tech right. It was the only well one. Well done, got. sir. But they're slated <laughs> at an eleven. Like, c- come on, come on now. We have yeah. Rutgers and Notre Dame at the eleven. We have Michigan, who I personally don't think even deserve to be in the tournament, let alone a non-playing game. And then we have Iowa State, who was off to a hot start and just crashed and burned like no other. That's a questionable one. Uh, Virginia Tech, um, I have them on my upset alert watch uh, to give y'all a little hint. And also Iowa, uh, slayed at five. Keegan, shout out you, picking them to win Big Ten. Major respect to that. Uh, thought you were blowing smoke up your behind, <laughs> but you got it right. I did it's appreciate like, that. It's like they don't – what's the point of playing in conference tournaments if you don't value that? Because Tennessee is three. That's a little more acceptable. I personally think they should have been a two because Kentucky is a two. But I just think they misvalued the conference champion, and I think the seeding affected that. I completely – but you brought up a fantastic point. They do not respect conference championships, but your entire resume definitely matters. So when you have Virginia Tech, they shouldn't be a top five seed just because they won a major, you know, a power five conference. But – I feel like you need to value that more. I completely agree. And I think there are two blatant instances of that. And and there's certainly ones that we have talked about, you know, the worst one I think is the Tennessee Kentucky miss. I mean, you literally look at the body of work. They're both 26 and seven. They're both 14 and four. They are identical. Is there some sort of metric that can distinguish them? Like, um, how they played recently in a tournament against the same teams against each other. One won it and beat the other. How on earth is the one that lost that ahead of the team that won that? That does yeah. not make any and, sense. And, and, on, and on the Tennessee, when you said they have the, the same record, 
you know who has the better strength of schedule? They have the same See, record. I mean, literally. So, so it's Tennessee has the fifth toughest strength of schedule. They have the fifth hardest schedule. Kentucky, 29. So the like 29, that's still a tough schedule. But that's tough as five. I don't know what we're doing here, but continue. Metric by metric. Another one is, is on the Big Ten side of things. You mentioned Iowa State. I'm actually going to go a different route. Another instance of two teams that just played, and that's Indiana and Michigan. I mean, you yeah. talked about Michigan not even being in the field. I don't even th- I don't even think they should be in the field. But one of them is in a playing game, and one of them is not. One of them just beat the other one in a conference championship game. I mean, you 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 look at the records. One of them is seventeen and fourteen. One of them is twenty and thirteen, and put together a run that was a miracle bank shot against the eventual winner of that conference. It took that to knock them out of the conference tournament. So I I'm, I'm frustrated by it and uh, I just don't understand it. And, and it's frustrating because, because Michigan should be playing right now and Indiana should be preparing for Colorado state. They should have that extra day to prepare and try and come out with the win. But no, now they got to play Wyoming yeah, not because the committee doesn't, doesn't value conference championships. Not to mention Rutgers, who was the top four seed in the Big Ten, who you know had played really well throughout the Big Ten season, earned the double buy, and it's yeah. again it's it's Rutgers, you know, who was a top four team in the Big Ten throughout the regular season, and then Indiana, who beat Michigan very recently. Uh, I do think that Michigan. I won't go as far to say that Michigan shouldn't be in altogether. Uh, they. I would. Uh, Michigan. Something about Michigan is. You know, they had an incredibly difficult schedule. They had the sixth toughest schedule in all of college basketball. And, you know, they were in one of the toughest conferences. I would have liked to see them do better, but I feel like they were destined for a play-in game. And so the fact that's, that's what really gets me is the fact that not only are they 11 seed, but they're an 11 seed that doesn't even have to win a play-in game. I would have liked to see them where Indiana is right now playing Wyoming exactly. in, in this 12 uh, 12 versus 12 playing game, but they're getting off scot-free and it's, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's down, a, right. Frustrating. It's interesting. You bring up how Michigan is uh, in because you think strength of schedule, but Tennessee, it just like they're cherry picking what matters. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And exactly. What does it? It exactly. literally makes no sense. And, 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 and further discussion of, of the lack of importance they put on conference championships. I want to throw this conversation out because obviously every year we get eight teams that play in play games, right? Why on earth is, is Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi two division or conference winners being forced to play in a playing game? Like why are these not the eighth last at-large bids? duking it out for a spot in the actual field. What? Why? Like, I, I don't understand the logic behind that and making conference champions play while you let a team like Michigan get in scot-free into the field. It also feels a little random because totally agree. I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I think that conference, we all think here, the conference championships need to be rewarded. And the fact that conference championships conference champions are playing in the playing games is just further evidence of the fact that they don't respect that. Not only from, from a fairness standpoint where you should get 
rewarded for winning your division, something we've said about 18,000 times to this point in this episode. <laughs> but think about the marketing value. Think yeah. about that. I mean, so so this year, the last four were what? Indiana, Wyoming, Rutgers, and Notre Dame? Or the, the play-in? Now imagine the next four. I mean, you'll have names like Michigan. You'll have names like Miami, possibly. Like, you'll have big names. Big names who are getting at-large bids. Like, the first games of the tournament. No offense to Texas Southern, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. That was a great game to watch. It was close. But there's nobody on earth who wants to watch that more than Michigan State, UCLA. That was the case last year. Or the nightcap of this game. Like, you can have games that are that good very easily. And that's more fair. And it's just a better product. So, again, all signs point to valuing the damn conference championships, something the committee doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Do we have anything else we want to talk about in terms of first impressions for the bracket? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I don't think so. I just, uh, you know, we, we, we talked about the misses. I mean, j- just looking at it, the, the left side of the bracket seems to be absolutely brutal. Uh, the right side, a little bit lighter. So, uh yeah, I mean, I, I I'm per, I, I would hate to be in the East, particularly like the West and the East. Neither of them are easy regions, but I mean, in the East, when you have Baylor, North Carolina, St. Mary's, Indiana, UCLA, Virginia Tech, Purdue, Kentucky, like no one wants to play against any of those teams. And I just rattled off like half the teams in that region. And it's like, and then you look over in the South. And, you know, no disrespect to Houston, but you're the five seed. And I mean, not to mention I, they're facing injuries as we speak. So that's, yeah, no that's another factor. Yeah. But I mean, Illinois but, struggled in Big Ten champion or Big Ten tournament. That's another. Yeah. Got, yeah. Like, got knocked out by Indiana. It wasn't even particularly close until the very end. We're going to break down those dark horse teams. We're going to go one side of the bracket first. So if, listener, you're out there looking at a bracket, west and east, we're going to look at those that side first. And then we'll move over to the south and the midwest. So starting with the west and the east, guys, who do we like as our favorite dark horse team to make a deep run in this tournament? I think I'm going to take the obvious one here. I'm going to take the one that we talked about as being underseeded. I'm going to take the one who has been red hot coming in to the tournament, and that is Virginia Tech. I mean, we all saw the run they went on in the ACC tournament, but what I think people don't understand is just how red hot this team is. Sure, you can, you know, yeah, they beat Duke, they beat UNC in the ACC championship game. They've won 13 of their last 15. This team started two and seven in conference play and has been on an absolute tear since. And I think that that is something that is being criminally undervalued is just how hot this team is. And you look at the draw. I mean, you've got Texas, a team I don't don't think any of us are really that high on Um, that, that second round matchup against Purdue. I mean, that's that's a tough matchup. Don't get me wrong, but. 
I'm not going to come out here and saying Purdue's playing the best basketball right now. They they went toe to toe with Penn State, went down to the wire with Michigan State. I mean, got beat by Iowa. So I'm not going to come out here and say Purdue's unbeatable. I'm liking Virginia Tech, man. I think they are the hottest team in the nation. You could throw Iowa in there, of course. Got to show love to my team. But 13 out of their last 15, including an ACC championship win, Virginia Tech can make some noise. Yeah, I'm I'm actually uh, sticking in that same part of the bracket. I like the Murray State Racers here. People have not been given the respect. They're thirty and two on the season. You can give best record. You can give the whole oh they play in a weak conference, but thirty and two, eighteen and zero in conference play. They are on a ten game win streak. They hold opponents to an average of 62.3 points per game they have three guys averaging over 10 points i really like uh murray state i think they have the uh chance to make some big noise in the tourney those are both great picks and funny enough just to show how tough this one (laughs) this one region is i know we said we're going to pick from all one side we're all in the same region, all staying in the East. One, one of my favorite dark horse teams, a team that no one is talking about, is that of St. Mary's. And I know they're a five seed, but this is a team that they're not getting any national attention, and they really should be. You know, we talk about teams that have been finishing hot. St. Mary's is one of those teams. They've won 13 of the last, 13 of the last 16 games. And what travels in big games? What travels – no matter what, is defense. And St. Mary's has a top 10 defense. And then something else that travels, something else that's really important to being able to get big wins is being able to control the pace, be able to play your way. And typically speaking, a lot of these teams that score a ton, they get up and down the floor. St. Mary's, they're rather efficient in scoring, but they, they're efficient even though they're one of the slowest teams in all of basketball, their pace of play out of 358 teams that are ranked like in, in this particular stat, they are 338th. So they play slow for the teams that get up and down the court. They're going to slow you down, make you play your style of basketball. So when you play slow and you have a top 10 defense, those are two things that work in tandem with one another, which is why St. Mary's is going to be really difficult to beat. And I mean, when you're talking about 13 of those 16, two of those losses were against Gonzaga. One of those 13 wins was against the Zags at the very end of the regular season. But I mean, when two of the three losses that you have in your last 16 games are against the number one overall seed in the entire tourney, that's all right. So St. Mary's, Virginia Tech, and Murray State, watch out for each of those teams, which I feel like is a good segue to this next conversation because I have a feeling that we're all going to be on the same board. Uh, We're all going to agree here. Who's the first one seed that's going to be going down and where do you think they fall? Yeah. So I think y'all are going to be on the same page here, but I'm looking at Arizona. I kind of talked about last episode. I just, I haven't seen what I wanted to see from Arizona kind of throughout the season and I actually have them being beat in the elite eight 
by Tennessee. Um, so that is my uh, first seed to fall. I'm kind of curious, Sam. What? Because I've been thoroughly impressed by by Arizona. I'm I'm wondering what 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 are you expecting to see from them? Like what? You said you're disappointed. I'm kind of I'm just kind of curious. I just to, yeah yeah I agree. They've been dominant, but they're playing in the Pac-12, which I think is a rather weak conference. Um, I mean UCLA was runner up, and they almost got beat or should have lost let's be honest here in the championship i just need to see i thought they were the way it was being hyped up to me i thought they were getting run through the pac-12 tournament and i just didn't see that um so that's kind of why but we'll see i get that Wow, that's an interesting one. Not one I expected. I'm going to go the more traditional route. I mean, all three of our sleepers are from the East. That also yeah. happens to be the fourth-ranked number one team in Baylor. And, and I, that's who I think is going to fall. However, where it comes, I have a little bit of chaos in kind of in the interior of that bracket. So I do think it comes in the Elite Eight. I think they get there mostly because – We'll get to that later. I'm just going to shut my mouth. But I, I I have Baylor falling to Kentucky in that Elite Eight matchup. And just to throw fuel to the fire. Um, any of these teams want to guess which, which team has the worst history? Arizona. Arizona has historically been quite brutal in the NCAA tournament. So history is not on the Wildcat side. Tanner, that's a great take. I got the same thing. Uh, I got Baylor in – I have them losing to Purdue in the in the Elite Eight, but I could see them losing pretty much every single game outside of the first one against Norfolk State. I have North Carolina beating Marquette. If North Carolina comes in and plays the way that they played against Duke in the second half of the last game, the last home game for Duke, if that if it's that Tar Heel team that comes out, I could see them knocking out Baylor. I said St. Mary's is one of my favorite dark horse teams. I have St. Mary's losing to Baylor in a really tight game in the Sweet 16, but I could totally see St. Mary's getting it done. But, you know, like you said, Tanner, Baylor, it's, they're the fourth best one seed, and they're also in the same region where each of us had our dark horse team on that side. So, which yeah, I guess... The, there's no doubt Baylor definitely has the toughest avenue to get there i don't think anybody could debate that a lot of good teams there um one through seven you can even throw in 11 there with virginia tech so baylor baylor has some proving to do for sure yeah no kidding well while we mention the the darks the dark horse teams who is your dark horse team in the south or the midwest regions you know, you know, I, I got a couple I got my eye on. Of course, Iowa, I think, is a popular pick here, uh, the way they ended the season. But I'm going to go a little bit of a different route. Again, a team that I mentioned is, I think, getting kind of the short end of the, of the stick here, that's USC. I mean, you look at the body of work this year. They put together a very nice season, 26-7 and seven, um, on the year. Ended up 14-6 and six in conference. Of course, a conference with both Arizona and UCLA. Um 
So they were going to toe, going toe to toe with them all year long. And you look at specifically the draw. I mean, the, the, they're a seven. So the two and the three surrounding them are Auburn and Wisconsin, two teams who lost early in their conference championships and teams that are kind of trending on the downward right now. So I think they got a good draw. I think they were slightly underseated, but got a good draw because of it. I think USC is in an interesting spot. You know, that's that's an interesting point you bring up because I have who USC is playing in the first game. <laughs> I have Miami. I'm uh, same reasons uh, you did with USC. They got good draw. Um, Auburn, <laughs> what is going on with that program? But I love it. Not a big Bruce Pearl fan. So <laughs> give me all the losses for Auburn. But yeah, I got I got Miami kind of just because they play Auburn. Uh, at least we think so um, in the second round. That's going to be interesting, man. That's a huge matchup because whoever wins that, we you know are two <laughs> two teams that we think are, are positioned to maybe make some noise here. I think I think you know US USC and Miami like those two teams. That wasn't necessarily like I mean it's a seven ten matchup. So and. It's a March Madness game, so of course I was going to tune into it. But it wasn't one of the ones I was really looking forward to. It is now, seeing seeing the fact that both of you guys have your sleeper team in the one game. Uh, My, (laughs) Funny enough, we've done this again back-to-back times. All of our Dark Horse teams are in the same region on this side of the bracket as well. And I'm going to go with LSU. And the reason why is because they are in one of the toughest conferences, so they have a really difficult strength of schedule. And through all of that, through all of the high-scoring teams that are in the SEC, they are ranked with the fifth-best defense in all of college basketball. When you've gone up against some of the best teams, some of the high-flying offenses that are out there in college basketball, and you still have that good of a defense, according to Kempom, you're doing something right. And so when you're, when you're going up against Iowa State and you're going up against Wisconsin, potentially in those first two rounds. Those are teams that sometimes have some droughts, sometimes struggle to score. And with Wisconsin, with Johnny Davis, with him being injured, with him not being at full health, beating Wisconsin might become a bit easier depending on how he's doing. So look at LSU to potentially make a deep run in this stacked Midwest region, apparently with LSU, USC and Miami. Just a, Quick question I got for you. You say LSU, they recently let go of Will Wade. Do you think that'll impact their run in March? Or do you think uh, just having that interim head coach uh, running things, it, do you see much of a difference there? I'm not I'm not scared of an interim coach coming in, you know, because of the success that we've seen recently with some other teams doing that in various sports. I don't think they would have gotten rid of him if they thought that it would have been a big hamper on – that is a valid question, though. That I think LSU will be all right. So we've talked, we've talked about dark horse teams, and we've been teasing at potential upsets that those dark horse teams could be making. So let's talk about that. Biggest upsets. Who you guys got? The single biggest upset I have in my bracket. I mean, if you go by seating, is the Jackrabbits taking down. The Friars. That's right. South Dakota State over Providence. I mean, you look at South Dakota State as a team, they have won 21 games in a row. 
You want to talk about being hot. That is 21 straight wins. They have they won the Summit League in dominating fashion. We're the class of the Summit League pretty much all year. They shoot 44.2% from beyond the arc as a team. I mean, that is that's incredible. The team shoots the ball, lights out. Providence, a team, a, a bigger team who likes the slower pace. And, and frankly, that's a tough slope, as you said, Keegan. Sometimes it works great. And just look at Virginia. Sometimes it works great. You win a championship. Sometimes it doesn't work and you get knocked out by UMBC. So that's a particular play style. And Providence absolutely get, getting smacked by a I mean, let's call it what it is, a, a mid-tier Creighton team getting absolutely smacked. I'm not big on the Friars right now, and I think South Dakota State is as good as an offensive team as it gets in the, in the mid-majors. So I've got San Diego or South Dakota State beating Providence. Yeah, that it seems that is a common one uh, with all the analysts. I'm going a little different route. And it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the basketball playing on the floor. I'm calling it. I'm uh, going Cal State Fullerton upsetting the Duke Blue Devils. I really think Duke is going to get upset. If if not in the first round, Michigan State's going to upset them. I'm not. That's how I feel. But I think this young team at Duke University has been in a tremendous amount of pressure to win it all for Coach K's final big dance. And I think that's going to get to Duke's young core. Um, And I got them being upset again by number 15 seed. I got Cal State Fullerton. Boy, what a perfect way to end the Coach Krzyzewski tour of losing. You lose to UNC, you lose to Virginia Tech, and then Cal State Fullerton tops it off. A Duke tradition like no other, choking in March Madness. That would be awesome. I love that pick. Well done, Sam. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Uh, But Do you think, if that happens, do you think that Coach K would, like, would he be like, this that we can't end like this. I'm coming back. Come back. <laughs> Is he pulling a Tom Brady? Like, yeah, yeah, like, you can't. You can't end like that. I'm, I'm coming back. Like, what, we'll what Ron talk Wouldn't be apparently. surprised. Wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, it's like as much as I would love for that to be the way that the career ends, I think that that would be the only way that his career doesn't end <laughs> <laughs> is that is that happening so yeah, keep your but like you said like coach k duke they, they certainly aren't invincible when it comes to early exits from the tournament you know tanner i think i'm just gonna have to hop onto your bus because i really don't there's have room me. man yeah there's room on the bus said so, these Sam jack rabbits the, like i said man they can score with the best of them in this bracket it's, it's very true that I one of when it comes to March, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite uh, places to go. I'm a big statistics guy. Uh, I like uh, Ken uh, Ken Palm uh, the Pomeroy ratings, and they love South Dakota State. I mean they they have a they're ranked 12th in uh, in adjusted offense. So they have all of the firepower in the world. And Providence is a team that just hasn't looked good down the stretch. So. 
I think I'm going to have to hop on where you guys are. We're going to be talking about a lot more about this bracket, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. So more March Madness talk coming up right after a quick message. Welcome back from that quick ad. To wrap up the episode, we're gonna go. We're gonna go region by region. What are the best possible matchups? What What do we want to see? Who? What teams do we want to see play each other? And then, who do we have beating who in the Elite Eight to move on to the Final Four? And then from there, then we'll talk about who's winning it all. So we'll start with the West. What's the best matchup? What is something that you really want to see happen? in this region. I, I'm looking at this uh, potential elite eight matchup I have, and that is Gonzaga versus Texas Tech. We know how Texas Tech has performed in March. We've seen Gonzaga do what it does best in March. But just those two teams battling out, I think um, it'll be a very interesting matchup. Um, so in my elite eight, I have – Gonzaga, Texas Tech. I think this is a game where Shet Holgram is going to get tested by Oral Roberts. Legend O'Banner. And I actually have Texas Tech pulling the upset here, and I have them advancing to the final four. Um, so that's definitely a matchup I'm looking forward to uh, in the West. I think that's a great pick. Uh, a different matchup that I, I'm really looking forward to potentially seeing. This is in the round of 32. I think the possibility of seeing UConn and Arkansas, not even like it'll be, it would be a great game basketball wise, but I mean, just breaking down the coaches themselves. I mean, the fact that you got Dan Hurley and then you have Eric Musselman is like between those two guys, the way that they love to amp up the crowd, just the way that they carry themselves. You might have to just watch out for those two coaches, but talking about the basketball just briefly, I mean, any situation where you have the five and the four matchup, that's just going to be good. That's going to be bona fide, great basketball. And with UConn, Arkansas, the coaches, the players, I'd love to see that happen. Uh, in the region though, um, we mentioned Zaga and Texas Tech. That's who Sam and I both have. And the Elite Eight, we'll see what Tanner has as well. I have Gonzaga moving on to the Final Four. Yeah, it's it's a clean sweep here. Gonzaga and Texas Tech, I also have in that Elite Eight matchup. When you talk about matchups, I'm excited for, Keegan. I think you nailed it with the coaches. <laughs> but I just think you missed on the game. And how yeah, could it yeah, not be? Duke, Michigan State. How can it not be that when you're looking at coaches? I mean, the NCAA was salivating as soon as this could have been an option. Sam, in your case, uh, Michigan State, Cal State, Fullerton. But <laughs> but come on. I mean, do, Coach K's last year, the potential to go up against Tom Izzo in, in an incredibly storied game between two story programs as two storied coaches – Absolutely best case scenario for the NCAA and personally best case scenario for the fan because that should be awesome. Spoiler alert, I got the Spartans moving on in that one. Apart from winning it all, the, the best potential exit for Coach K, if you have to lose anywhere, it's probably losing to Michigan State because the way that they would talk about this game, it's Coach K uh, with, the, you know, with the coaching matchup you're talking about between these two guys. This would be pitched as juggernauts of the game. 
two longtime historians, two coaches going up and they've had matchups before. And so it'd only be fitting for this to be the exit if it wasn't winning at all or losing to Cal State to Fullerton. That is a great segue to our next question here. Upsets. What are some potential upsets y'all are seeing in this region? Yeah. So I guess, I guess before I get into that, I mentioned I had Gonzaga, Texas tech. I don't know if I said that I had Gonzaga moving on, but I do. Uh, Gonzaga is in my final four, but I look at ups. The one I do think that is unique Keegan. Unfortunately, I think you get robbed of your matchup because the New Mexico state Aggies are taking down the Yukon Huskies, New Mexico state. I mean, the regular season and the, in the tournament winner in the WAC, another team that is a, pretty good shooting team so far. I mean, granted they do play in the WAC, but I've kind of held things down defensively. I've been one of been one of the better teams on the defensive end in that conference. And, and I think that's going to travel, man, defense and shooting three and D type of team that I think could give UConn some trouble. So I got New Mexico state winning there. Obviously I already talked about a uh, team in this region. My guys at Cal state Fullerton, but I have a confession to make boys. Last episode, I decided Arkansas is going to win it all. But I said it all depends on who they draw. And I do not like the cards they were drawn. I have Vermont upsetting the Hogs in the Ooh. first game. So that's, that's, a, that's definitely a tough matchup, man. For, yeah. <laughs> what particularly makes it a bad matchup for Arkansas? I think Arkansas relying on their top score. I kind of have the have said it in past episodes. Um, the them relying on JD Dante a little too much. Um, it kind of happened in the SEC tournament when Texas A&M kind of took it to them. But Vermont, um, what I like about them. Um, Defense, uh, they're holding opponents to just 60 points per game. Now, you can say, um, you could say they play in a weight conference, which I don't have much of an argument there, <laughs> but they are also nine and one in uh, the past 10 games. They are fifth ranked in field goal percentage with 49.3 percent. I, just a perfect storm is a brewing uh, for this one, and I hate to I hate to do it. You know, I've been riding the hogs all season, but I, I don't like the cards they were uh, they were dealt. Yeah, I mean, j- just to go in, in a little bit uh, further support of that. I mean, Vermont's good. They're seventeen and one in their conference this year, and you know, obviously, they were the American East uh, tournament champion. They won their first round game by 39. They won their second round game by 32 and they won the championship by 39. So that is an average margin of victory of about 36, 37 points in their conference tournament game. This team is good. They play good defense. And what's the moral of the story? They can score on the offensive end. So I, I, I don't hate that. I do have Arkansas moving on, but, but, Vermont is a very tough pull there. I'll make sure to keep my eyes peeled for Vermont. In this particular region, I don't have too much in terms of upsets. With that, 
we'll, we'll go ahead and move over to the East. Uh, what are the matchups we really like to see here? Uh, this one's going to be a bit weird here because because this is a matchup I want to see, but I actually don't have in my bracket. And that's that 2-3 between Kentucky and Purdue. I mean, how beautiful would this be? You've got Oscar Shibway. I mean, All-American first team. You've got Zach Eady, seven foot four. You've got Trevion Williams, a, a veteran and one of the best passing bigs in the nation. you got that battle on the interior. Then you move out to the perimeter and and you've got Ty Ty Washington and Jaden Ivey, two NBA prospects duking it out out there. So so this is just going to be must watch TV if that matchup does happen. Um, so I got that as my one to watch, even though I don't pick it to be happening. The matchup I really want to see includes my dark horse, and that is Murray State in Kentucky. You mentioned it, Oscar Shibwe. Kind of a beast. Uh, not kind of. He is. He's a dog. <laughs> um, and Murray State just doesn't have the ta- the tall, big man, traditional center. They like to run and gun. How Sheboy does with a fast-paced offense uh, like Murray State. So that is definitely one I have circled, and I hope we get to see it. All of the matchups that we have uh, involved Kentucky, um, um, but I'll go in, I'll go in a little bit on um, on why I think Baylor and St. Mary's is another really good game to watch. We talked about how of all of the one seeds, how Baylor is the one that's looking the most vulnerable, dealing with some injuries, and then you have St. Mary's coming into the play, who's my dark horse team. St- uh, Sam had his dark horse in it. I have my dark horse in the games that you really need to watch. All of our, all of the games that we want to see happen, St. Mary's has proved that they can hang with the best of them. So going up against Baylor, that's going to be one that everybody should be tuning into. If that happens, I actually have Baylor winning that. Unfortunately, that's where I have St. Mary's run ending. But so with that, let's move into upsets. Who do you guys got? I'm going with the matchup I'm looking forward to most. And I got Murray State. A under the radar team, a lot of people don't really know about, and they are they're good. They're thirty and two for a reason, eighteen and zero in conference. And I think they, I think Kentucky is uh, going to overlook that potential matchup against Purdue, and I think uh, Murray State kind of takes advantage. I got Murray State pulling out an unexpected upset over Kentucky. That's a good one, man. That, that That's a good pick there. I got a few in here, including and, and really majority is based in, in two double-digit seeds reaching the Sweet 16, and they are, sorry, Keegan, you like St. Mary's? Indiana's playing great basketball right now. Going out, taking out Wyoming. Again, I, I talked about in the beginning of the episode is that they are, I mean, Jordan Bohannon, the 24-year-old, 60-year senior, him having a ridiculous stretch down the stretch of that game. Barring that, they're moving on in the Big Ten in the Big Ten tournament. They're moving on to face um, to face Purdue in, in the title game, a team that they faced not too long ago in West Lafayette and lost in a one-possession game there. So. Indiana, again, playing great basketball. I like them to beat St. Mary's. 
then match up against UCLA. And I like them to take that to Trace, Trace Jackson Davis. Too much of a beast. Another 25-plus point game tonight against Wyoming. I just like the way Indiana's playing right now. And, I, and uh, not, not so much for, for St. Mary's and UCLA. Another team, of course, my dark horse, Virginia Tech. Taking out Texas. I mean, I think that's a popular one. A lot of us are talking about that. But taking it one step further and beating Purdue. I do have that. Purdue is has all the talent in the world. When you look at this team in the last 10 games, it just hasn't been all that impressive. They're six and four in that stretch, which is fine, including losses to Iowa, a all but comfortable win or a, a not comfortable win against Michigan State, not comfortable win against Penn State, two point win at home against Indiana. They lose to Wisconsin, lose to, to um, Michigan State, beat Handle Rutgers, only beat Northwestern by six, a team Iowa scored 112 on in the Big Ten tournament, and then beating Maryland by one and then getting absolutely smoked by Michigan. So I have not been impressed with Purdue at all down the stretch of this season. Virginia Tech, the exact opposite. I mentioned how hot they are. So I've got Virginia Tech taking out Purdue. And that's wild. So I, uh, I have Virginia Tech and uh, I have Virginia Tech and Purdue matching, uh, you know, going up against one each other. Uh, I think, I think Purdue is just going to be able to put all of the pieces together because that's been one of the issues with Purdue dur- you know, down the stretch of this post down the stretch of this season is the fact that they have all the talent in the world, but they just haven't been working together. And I think they're, I think they figure out a way to put it together. Uh, that's why I have Purdue beating Baylor uh, in the elite eight in order to move on to the final four. Who do you have going into the final four from this region? So uh, my elite eight matchup is Baylor. Um, I got them facing off against Purdue and I have Purdue advancing to final four. Uh, My, my elite eight is Baylor, Kentucky. That may seem a little chalky, but my, my uh, sweet 16 is Baylor over Indiana. Remember, and Kentucky or Virginia Tech, those two double-digit teams. But I've got Kentucky over Baylor, so Kentucky is my Final Four team from the East. Let's move over to the South then with that. What do we want to see here? Right. What is the matchup we want? Uh, for me, uh, for me, it's the one in the two. It's Arizona. They're one of the best defensive teams in all of college basketball, and they also are ranked in the top ten in terms of offense. So not only do they have a great defense, but they have a great offense on top of that. The possibility of going up against Tennessee, one of the hottest teams and one of the best conferences. I mean, what's not to love? I want to see Arizona and Tennessee. I know that's the easy one. I know that's the easy way out, but it's what everyone wants to see. A matchup I'm looking at, and actually I do have an upset here, is the possibility, I, I do have Ohio State beating Loyola Chicago. I know Loyola Chicago is kind of a, a well-liked public dog, but but I think Ohio State gets it done. And I think that Ohio State-Villanova matchup is incredibly interesting and one that I actually have the Buckeyes moving on over Villanova. And I, I just think that, that Ohio State and Chris Holtzman is getting not enough love here in the – especially well mostly because of the love towards Loyola Chicago and their success in this tournament over the past few years but not this year because the Buckeyes are taking them down and that's a matchup I want to see I 
Yeah, a matchup I am looking forward to is both of these potential Sweet 16s. I actually have uh, Villanova moving on facing against Tennessee, as well as Arizona and Illinois. Both of those matchups are very intriguing. I would lean a little more heavily on Arizona, Illinois. I'd love to see how Illinois bounces back from that early exit from the Big Ten tournament, just seeing how they, if they keep sliding or if they bounce back and get big, uh, big win over Arizona. So that's probably the matchup I'm looking forward to most. And um, in we we like we seem to be talking a lot about Ohio State and Loyola Chicago. Y'all rolled with Ohio State. I'm rolling with the Ramblers. I got Loyola Chicago, kind of underdog favorite in recent March Madness, and I think they get it done against uh, Ohio State. Yeah, I mean Villanova. They seem like they're a susceptible two seed. And so no one would be surprised, especially of Loyola, Chicago, of all the double digit seeds to make a deep run, their team that we haven't mentioned so far. And it's because of exactly what you said, Sam, they're a, they're a favorite underdog, if there even is that. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a good pick having, I mean, having Loyola, Chicago, I feel like in terms of which way you pick, I don't really think there's a bad way to go here. Um, I do have one more. I mean, it's not the biggest upset in the world. I mean, it's one we haven't mentioned yet. And I'm looking at that Houston, Illinois. I mean, I have Houston handling UAB and Illinois handling Chattanooga. However, I do like the Cougars here. I mean, Kofi Coburn is Kofi Coburn, right? And, and, and that's a force that is very difficult to stop. But he hasn't... It, it hasn't propelled to Illinois success recently. I mean, we saw how it happened in the big 10 tournament. I mean, even down the stretch, yeah, they beat Iowa, but Iowa had them on the ropes in, in Illinois, one of the toughest places to play in, in the big 10. So another big 10 team that I'm just not very impressed with right now is Illinois. You look at Houston. Yeah. I know they're battling some injury. I mean, Marcus Sasser has been out for most of the year um, and it's probably will be out um, for the tournament here, but, another team that's just finishing well. I mean, they've won nine of their last 10. Um, and, and that one loss was against Memphis, a team that's in this, you know, in this field, it was in Memphis. I mean, a road conference game, we all know how difficult those are to win, but they matched up again in the tournament in the uh, American tournament final and Houston beat them by 18. So seems like they figured out that, uh, that demon there. And, and again, I like, I like teams that are playing good basketball right now. And Houston is certainly one of those teams. Speaking of teams that are playing good basketball, the team that's coming out of this region. So who do we have moving out, uh, moving into the final four from the South? I have Arizona and Tennessee in my elite eight. And I actually have Tennessee uh, moving on to the final four here. I got the same thing. I got the same elite eight. However, I am going with Arizona. Um, I think we were talking a little bit about it before. Um, I have been impressed with Arizona. I mean, putting up a 31 and three record um, playing in a power five conference is, is already hard to do. You go out uh, and you're, you're a little bit on the ropes in UCLA and you come back and erase that deficit deficit in, uh, in a moment's notice. Arizona has a lot of firepower and, and I'm liking the Wildcats here. So I got Arizona moving on to the final four. And we will now move on to the last region, that being the Midwest. 
Let's go through this one more time. What do you want to see happen here in this region? Get down to the nitty gritty here. We talk about Wisconsin not playing great basketball. We, you all know our feelings on Auburn. I mean, Kansas and Iowa right now are easily playing the best basketball in this, in this region. Easily. And they're, the, of course, the one in the five who can meet you, match up in the Sweet 16. So I think it's easily, easily Kansas, Iowa is the game I've got circled. Yeah, I, I have one of those teams in the matchup I'm looking forward to most. And that is Iowa Providence. Um, Tanner, you kind of mentioned Providence kind of being a defensive lockdown team. And Iowa is quite the opposite. <laughs> they like to run a gun. They like to score. I mean, they put up 112 points against Northwestern. Um, just seeing those two completely different styles would be interesting to see. So that is a game I got circled coming from the Midwest region. What I'm going to throw out there is a game that I don't have, but I'd also love to see it. That would be Iowa and Wisconsin. Iowa and Wisconsin, that is a storied rivalry. And when they played, the way that Iowa is playing was a – they were playing like a completely different team back there. This Iowa team is very different. Wisconsin has been rather consistent throughout the year, but Iowa at their best, Wisconsin continuing to play at a really high level. Just from a fan perspective, I would love to see Iowa be, have an opportunity to take down Wisconsin. Uh, but what are some upsets you guys have here? Keegan, I am so sorry to do it to you. But Iowa State is going to beat LSU in that first round. I think the loss of the head coach is going to shake them up a little bit more because of the scenario around it. Um, yeah, he is under a ton of investigation. Uh, he has been, he's been, uh, on, he has been recorded on a federal wiretap discussing a quote strong ass offer that he made for Javante Smart, a player on LSU. Um, he ended up signing with LSU and with an aspiring agent, with the help of an aspiring agent, Christian Dawkins, who is currently serving an 18 month sentence on bribery and conspiracy. So there is a lot of legal trouble in that LSU, uh, in the head of LSU basketball right now. And I'm just a little bit scared on how that's going to translate into the first round all happening so soon. So I've got Iowa state in that game. Yeah, I could definitely, I, I definitely like for those reasons, I could see that happening. If it was any other 11 seed, like just for the fact that it's Iowa State of all of the 11 seeds, you know, ever since the start of February, this has been a team that just can't get right. Whatever the over under is for this game, probably take the under because these are two defensive matchups uh, between LSU and Iowa State. You hear that? Book yeah. it with Keegan. Last 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 episode we booked it with Sam, and you would have been a you would have been a very wealthy person if you booked it with Sam. So now we're booking it with Keegan. <laughs> the under the under in uh, what game were we talking about? In Iowa State, LSU. Probably, I said, yeah. I say, oh, probably a hundred points total probably won't even be scored in this. Ah, one. let's go. Iowa let's State go. Conferences. Book it with Keegan. Uh, <laughs> uh, who do we have coming out of the region? Uh, I have. Uh, I have Kansas and Wisconsin uh, with Kansas beating them in the Elite Eight. I have the exact same, actually. I have uh, Kansas, Wisconsin, Kansas moving on. 
Let's make it a clean sweep. That Kansas-Iowa game. I mean, it's just I want to pick Iowa so bad. Um, It's just more of the emotional hedge for me. I'm going to go with Kansas, and every if Iowa makes it up, makes it out of the, uh, makes it into the elite eight. It's it's all the, you know, all the gravy I want more so than my bracket. So, on and on the bottom side of the map, of course, I have UNC or USC beating Auburn. I have then Wisconsin beating USC and Kansas beating Wisconsin. Let's take one more look at the final four. So, let's just remind the folks what do we have for the final four. I have Gonzaga, Purdue, Tennessee, and Kansas. What do you guys got? Yeah, I'm very similar. I am in a little different in the West. I got Texas Tech uh, sliding over Gonzaga, but the other three stay the same. I have Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, and Kansas in my final four. That's a lot of similarities. So we're either all going to be relatively happy or is we'll all be down bad. So we'll see how that plays out. Who we have in the national championship. I have Purdue get it done over Gonzaga, but not enough to win it all where I have Tennessee beating Kansas and then beating Purdue. What do you guys got? My championship game kind of more aligns with the odds. Um, I do have the number one and number two overall seeds, Gonzaga and Arizona, winning their final four games, Gonzaga over Kentucky, Arizona over Kansas, and they will match up in my title game. In this title game, Gonzaga falls short yet again. Storyline that seems to happen year after year that Gonzaga and Mark Few cannot get over the hump. This year is not any different. I have Arizona and first-year head coach Tommy Lloyd taking over this year and leading Arizona to a national championship. So I've got the Wildcats. That's a lot of number ones in your final four. Though. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> but uh, Keegan, slightly different than you. I have Texas Tech beating Purdue. I have Tennessee. So we got Texas Tech, Tennessee. And I also have the volunteers taking home the Natty in New Orleans. We'll be throwing graphics on uh, what we have for our brackets, what those look like, who we have for our champions. So let us know what you have. We'll be very curious to see what's going on. But that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for episode 45. Make sure to throw us a follow on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at crunchtime underscore pod. The clock has now run out on this episode, but we'll see you in the next one on Crunch Time.